0: What's going on? Welcome to Biz Women Rock. I'm your host, Katie Kremitzos. Today, I'm interviewing Jessica Kupferman. She's the co-founder of She Podcasts. In 2014, Jessica and Elsie Escobar started a Facebook group called She Podcasts. They did it because they both knew so many amazing women podcasters and wanted to create a place where they could all help each other out. As the group grew and grew, the community continued to ask for one thing an event to bring them all together. And although they attempted to do it a few times, nothing really ever took off until this year. The first ever She Podcast Live is happening on October 10th through the 13th of 2019 in Atlanta, Georgia. You can check out shepodcastlive.com for more information. During this conversation, Jessica is talking very openly about that process of getting her first live event off the ground and what that has looked like. She shares what the first few attempts at live events have been and why they just didn't feel right. She shares the tough conversations that she and Elsie had to have as business partners to figure out how they were going to create this event. She also talks about why she decided to launch a Kickstarter campaign for She Podcast Live and how her Kickstarter campaign ended up being backed 200%, which raised $50,000 and accumulated 200 tickets for them. She also talks about her commitment and vision for every single woman who attends her event. This episode will be especially helpful for you if you're wanting to put on your own live event for your community. And if you are a podcaster or you're thinking about podcasting, you have to be at She Podcast Live. There's just no other option. Get your ticket today at shepodcastlive.com by July 31st, they are raising prices. So let's get into it with Jessica Kupperman. All right, Jess, tell me why and how. What was the moment where you were like, we need a live She podcast event?
1: Well, you're going to laugh. But it was when I was at New Media Expo in 2013 or 14. Like it wasn't oh, in the last year. Ago. <laughs> it wasn't in the last year. It was when I went to the very first... The, this is the very first conference I went to that had anything to do with podcasting on any level. And maybe the first conference I'd ever been to, period. Because I've never been to like web design conferences or anything like that. Or women's things or whatever. And there were so many dudes... And like all the keynotes seemed like dudes except for my friend Lynette Young. They were all dudes. And like all the podcasting, like gurus were dudes. And I mean, I hung out, I strictly hung out with Elsie Escobar, Maggie Patterson, Alea Williams, Emily Chase Smith, and Sandy Sidhu. And I and I remember those like we were like five, we were like reservoir dogs. Like the <laughs> five of us were like, <laughs> we're just like we would go to our sessions and then we come back together, eat a crap load of crab legs and be like, this is why this is dumb. This is why this was dumb. This is why we should do this. And then the whole time I was like, God, I really think I need my own little women's pod squad. Oh, I like that. I just thought of that. My own little women's pod squad. So I came back and I started a Facebook group. And I didn't really think at the time like, oh, I should do my own conference. But what I wanted was like my own little mind hive of what to do because I just felt that their advice was so much more valuable than Pat, Flynn and John Lee Dumas and anybody else. And I met Mignon Fogarty there. And I think I met, I don't know if I met you there. I met Natalie there, McDoll and she was pregnant and I was about to be pregnant. Yeah. So I just, when Elsie wanted me to change the name of the group to She Podcast because she'd always wanted a group of female podcasters named She Podcast. And she asked me to do a show. We started talking about the pot, you know, where this could ever end. Like, what if this was like our full time job and we could just nurture women podcasters all the time? And I was like, you know what we could do? Because at the time I had a friend, Rachel Luna, who's going to be a speaker had just done Tori Johnson's Spark and Hustle thing. And the way that worked was she went to five cities in like six months. Wow. And she had people like in every city. So if she was in Minneapolis, she would have like someone in Minneapolis spend $2,000 to have a booth and be on stage. So she would make $10,000 per city. And she went to five cities. So I was like, this is brilliant. At the time, she was like, yeah, that sounds great. We'll definitely like have live events." of I think she was bullshitting me though, because... <laughs>
0: She just wanted... She wanted the yes, right? Well, she knew I was going
1: to get pregnant. She had a two and like a five-year-old at the time. So she was probably like, I can just say it now. I don't know. I mean, like, because once I got pregnant, I had a baby. I started thinking about like, how can... You know, we started glomming on to other events because this is right around the time that Podcast Movement happened. We both spoke at Podcast Movement. And then the next one, we did a little workshop. And then the next one, we ha- we tried to have all these little like Attachments to other conferences, yeah, and for one reason or another, they did not really work. I mean, they did work, but it didn't feel like enough. And all Elsie and I were doing was teaching, not schmoozing, which is kind of what I—that's the fun part—is hanging you were not out.
0: Being the leaders, you were not being the connectors, or you were. You yeah, were- and we weren't
1: socializing, getting to know anyone. We were just talking heads. So your question, like, when did I first want to do it? It's kind of been like a long, slow, like, this needs to be done. And the more strongly I felt about it, probably the less strongly Elsie felt about it. And so that sort of hesitated me too. So there were two years, maybe the past two or three, where I really wanted to do an event. And then every time I would bring it up with Elsie, we would disagree about how to approach this. And then I would drop it for like six months. And then we would, I was like, man, it would be so cool to have an event. And she's like, well, I just really need it to be financially accessible. I was like, okay, well, we'll have a thousand people and we'll make them all spend like 50 bucks. She was like, well, a thousand people, so many people. I wish it could be like 20, 30 people. And I'm like, so make $300 then. That's what you're saying here. <laughs> I can't, we can't have both. And she was yeah. like, I know, it just feels so stressful. And I hate this whole idea. And I'm like, okay, and I dropped it. So then I had an identity crisis and decided I didn't care if she wanted to do it with me or not. I was just going to do it.
0: How did that well, work? Like, what was that conversation like between business partners there? It was a text. <laughs> The truth of business communication. I
1: can probably look back and see when I said, I'm done doing this job and I don't want to do this anymore. I want to plan this event. Are you okay with that? And she wrote back, yep. And I said, it's going to be a She Podcast event. Are you okay with that? Or do you not want me to use our brand? No, you should use our brand. Okay. I'm perfectly comfortable with you not planning any part of it. Is that what you want? Yes. Yes. I don't okay. want to plan it. I was like, okay, so it's my event. I'm planning it. Of course, you'll speak. Because she always said, you know what I want out of an event? I want to show up and be the talent. I was like, I'll give you a speaker fee. You'll show up and be the talent. Then you can do whatever you want. I will plan the entire thing myself, feeling very conky and arrogant at the time. <laughs> I was like, I'll do the whole thing myself. And it'll be sheep. pocket. she was like, perfect. Okay. And that was it. And it was all over text. And then the next couple months were a little hairier because she has a lot of strong feelings about content and like what kind of speakers and content would properly represent us and what we stand for. Right. And I mean, I don't know how much you want me to get into this part, but it became a little bit hairy because I understood her vision, but I think she felt a little bit like if she didn't strangle and choke me, then it wouldn't get done perfectly. Right. We would bring it up and I would say, okay, I got it. I know exactly what you want. Like, it's kind of like you want someone to load the dishwasher, but then... If you don't stand over them and tell them where everything goes in your dishwasher, like they put the forks in the wrong place. And like <laughs>
0: it's kind of like how she what I felt she's doing. So she did, did she do, as a partner, she wanted it and agreed that it would be the brand, right? The live version yeah. of the brand. Mm-hmm. Did not want a part of the logistical planning of it, but definitely yeah. wanted to have an opinion and be valued as somebody who had a say in what it was. That had to be very challenging to be able to sift all of that stuff out. But I'm making the assumption that obviously it was sifted out because now here you are just a few months away from the very first She Podcast live. It was sifted out. I did have to come to a little bit of a head,
1: but lovingly, but firmly, you know, I'm into that loving, but firm thing lately. So like (laughs) lovingly. So it happened about four times. First time she brought it up. I really want this and I don't want this. I'm like, okay, do you want part in helping me pick? No. Just know that that's what I want. Okay. Second time, it was like, I'm just worried that it's going to be too businessy and it's going to be too white lady and it's going to be too... And I was like, I agree. I don't want that. I really don't want that. It's supposed to be giving people who are never heard from a chance. I want LGBTQ. I want diversity. I want people of color. I want the nun that you, you know, like Sister Maxine and the nuns. Like I want all the people that have never spoken to anything before. I'm in. I'm with you. Yeah. Okay. I feel better. And then the third time it was brought up and she was worried about it and worried about it. And I was like, I'm just going to lay it out here. Do you want to do this part? Yes or no? She's like, no, I don't have time and I'm traveling and it's summer. I was like, cool. But do you though? Because
0: (laughs) I feel (laughs) like... Because then I'm going to do it, which means that you need to be over there. Feel
1: like you do. (laughs) And she was like, no, I really don't. I just, I'm very nervous about it because it's my name and your name. And you know, you have to remember that Elsie is like a huge inclusion justice warrior at this time. And she has been for years. And like, I think as that, she reads a lot about injustice when it comes to people of color. And that's top of mind, not her friend Jessica and how much she trusts her, but how all white people are sort of terrible in this way, which I can relate to on some level, not because I'm not white, but because I just know what she's going through. So the fourth time she brought it up, I was like, listen, I want you to search inside and really think about why you don't trust me with this. And then I want you to come back to me with an answer because I can't, I don't know what else I can say to convince you that I'm on your side and that I agree and that I under, I know I don't, I'm not a person of color, so I don't understand, but I'm all but that in, in in my ability to understand. There's no more I can do other than be born a person of color to understand what you're saying here. Yeah. And so that's kind of when, I don't know, I think she just thought about that a lot. Like, why don't I... Trust her with this and why am I feeling controlling about it? And I think just by me saying I don't know what else I can do for you was enough. I think, but I think sometimes you have to look at someone and be like, actually, I do this with little kids sometimes. You know how little kids will come over and they'll be like, Ari pushed me and he licked my lollipop. <laughs> and and most of the time I say, This sounds terrible. What exactly do you want me to do? Right. And usually they're like, nothing, nothing. Like, should I, should wanted... I call, should yeah. I call the police? <laughs> no, don't call the police. Should I give him a spanking? No, you don't have. That. Okay, great. Go play. <laughs>
0: <laughs> they just needed you to hear that. They just
1: need to be heard, exactly. And but I feel like she needed to be heard, and then also she needed something else for me that I wasn't sure I could give her, which is you know the guarantee of being somebody different, which I'm not. I can only be me. Then I don't know if this is a. I don't know if she would mind me talking about. It. I don't think so. She knows me well enough to know that I'll talk about whatever. And it doesn't. I don't think it makes either one of us look bad. It's just she's perfectly justified in that worry. And I just wanted to accommodate her so badly. And I just didn't know what else to do except be like, tell me what to do.
0: Well, I love your transparency on this because it's giving voice to a partnership. It's giving voice to all the conversation and the idiosyncrasies and complexities of a partnering relationship. And here, as it relates to like, okay, here's the conversations that needed to happen in order for this event, this vision to really come to fruition. So... Yeah, and it is. It's really difficult. And it's just a matter of like hashing all that stuff out. So obviously you guys got on the same page working oh. through all of it.
1: Yes. want to so hear something funny? This is how I really got her on board. Like within the first week, this is like, I mean, that that what I was just telling you about was over a period of a couple of months. So after she agreed to let me do the event, I went on Pinterest and I found like pictures of parties that were really colorful and glittery. And I started sending her like crystal podiums and like <laughs> LED lights <laughs> and like all different colors. And she started going, Whee! Like, you know, and I was like, really excited me. about it. i got her. I've got her. I think once you can visualize like a fun, colorful, celebration-y, Mardi Gras type party, all of a sudden it's like, okay, I don't really need to stress about this because it's going to be so cool. You know, and that's kind of what I wanted.
0: So I want to get really into a little bit of the strategy in your okay. head and as far as like what you have done to bring this live event to fruition. And I'm asking this specifically because... There's so many women who are part of the Biz Women Rock community and so many businesswomen in general who have a community they have a following of some sort and they're like itching to do an event. And perhaps they've tried a couple different live events, but they just haven't gotten the right one yet. Just like you were describing, you know, being sort of like these add-on workshops and events like that on some of the bigger conferences. And so they're really wanting to know how can I do my event and really go at it with a bang. So I would love to get inside your head and share some of those details. So how I know that she podcast live was really like serious was that I saw your kickstarter campaign mm-hmm. so why did you decide to do a kickstarter campaign and walk me through some of the things that happened during that kickstarter campaign
1: well so I always thought that I would do a kickstarter campaign well I mean you're not sure really how you're going to do anything but I see the other podcast conferences I see you know Podfest Expo and I see podcast movement and how Detailed and large, they are, and I don't really do anything small. Like, I can't have a Facebook group of like 12,000 women, I can't just do a hundred person thing. It's just silly, silly to even think about it. But I also knew that like I'm not independently wealthy, and out of the gate, I can't just know for a fact that I'll have sixty thousand dollars to pay a hotel and an AV company. So, in the past, Elsie and I have tried to monetize a bunch of different things. We've done online courses, we've done VIPs, we've done workshops and stuff, and it's never really. The money has never really lived up to our expectations. And, and that's for various reasons, not having to do with demand. But between she and I, it's just... She has another job. She has other things that she does. So do I. So I don't know that either of us really put our whole heart and soul into it. But I was nervous because what if it wasn't that? What if it was demand? What if it was our community? So I thought, you know what? These ladies have been telling me they want an event. Let's see if they really do. I'm going to at least ask for $25,000. That would if I need to put a down payment on something. I'll have the money for that. Let's do that and so i started a kickstarter for $25,000 and then i went to podfest and for a week i told no one about it because i didn't really know that it was real or happening <laughs> like I, I couldn't like admit to myself that it was actually going to happen and i actually did this with pregnancy too where like i went through the phases of like in vitro thinking maybe i can't get pregnant but let's just go through the motions and see if anything happens if it happens great so I started slowly telling people about it at Podfest. And then when I came home, I, I kind of like launched it with a bang and we started to get donations and it started to look pretty good. And then, you know, and it stalled around five thousand. It stalled again around ten thousand. Ten days in, I called Chris. Why did you let me do this? I should have just done the event. You should have cocked me out of this. This is the worst idea I've ever had. Because as usual, my fate is being controlled by other people. And I get itchy when that happens. Yeah. And I had said, I'm not going to do it if it doesn't get funded. And I still wanted to do it. Even if it wasn't funded, I was just going to find a way to figure it out at that point. So... I was just like, just let it get to 25 and then I'll just turn it off. I won't tell anybody about it anymore. If it happens in the last five days, that's fine. Well, it happened like three days later, All out of nowhere, just like soared up to $25,000. And Elsie and I were like overjoyed and so excited. And then I didn't say anything about it for two days. And I got a call from Chris and he was like, I haven't seen you say anything about the Kickstarter. I'm like, well, it's funded. So let's start, you know, selling tickets. And he was like, no, no, I think you <laughs> can get 30. And Elsie and I were like, he's high. There's no way we're going to get 30,000. That sounds crazy. And then we hit 30,000 within another day. And he was just like, I can't believe it, but you might hit 40. And Elsie, again, we were just like, oh my God, he is so crazy. There's no, that's ridiculous. I mean, I'll, you know, we would both be like, all right, we'll post about it again. And then in the last 20 minutes of the fundraiser, we hit both 200 tickets and $50,000. Like in the last, like it was 46. Until like that last hour, it was crazy. And legitimately, I, I'm not blowing. So I really, we really both were like, they're never, we're never gonna double it. That's crazy. It's insane. Yeah. Only because we hadn't been that, you know, ham about selling ourselves up until that point, which obviously has now taught us a lesson that we are underutilizing our power and glory.
0: But. <laughs> Uh, (laughs) And by the way, just for reference, so the Chris that she's talking about is actually my husband. Chris Chris. Chris Who is the founder of PodFest Multimedia Expo. And he also does event consulting at a high level. And so he has been consulting with you and he's been like walking you through all this. And the guy's done like 2000 plus events Mm -hmm. at this point. Like he just, he knows... He knows Uh, everything. It's ridiculous. Before this, she was like, I mean, like literally he has not been wrong about anything. I was like, I know, I hate saying that, but it's true. It's probably way less annoying for me than it is for you. <laughs> it's rarely wrong. I and it's, mean,
1: it gets a little comforting actually, because yeah. if he predicts something and it comes true over and over and over, you start to trust that person in there. Of not that I didn't trust him before, but when it comes to fruition, you're just like, oh, thank God I have, what would I do? I would just be biting my nails the whole time.
0: Yeah. And so it's uh, good. I have learned when it comes to events, like trust this guy, just trust him. I don't know better than than he does. And I've done a lot of events, so get me wrong. But like he just, yeah. he has a sixth sense about it all. So,
1: but also he's a little bit of a hustler. So I can't tell if he, I almost feel like maybe he's just telling me this because he thinks it's what I want to hear. There's some <laughs> element of like, is he placating me or is he telling he's
0: me? He's got this? that New York like... He uh, has a
1: New York swagger yeah, yeah. and a little bit of a hustle and I can never tell if he's like blowing smoke in my ass or I can tell when he's genuinely enthusiastic and excited. Yeah. But if I'm not, I can't tell if he's bullshitting me or not. That's the only thing. But what
0: matters is that, and believe me, I know that, but uh, what matters is the results at the end of the day, right? Right. Like 200% funded Kickstarter. And so after that Kickstarter, with 50 grand now, double the amount that you had really intended for it, now you could turn around and be like, oh, we are absolutely having this event and now more movement. So tell me a little bit about the process of what it's been like in planning the event And I'm not just talking logistics. I'm talking like continuing to allow what she podcasts live is going to be stay in line with you and Elsie's expectations and desires and the logistics, all of that in one, because it's all sort of like evolving, you know, live as we're talking. So tell me a little bit about kind of some of the phases that you've gone through in the planning and what's been coming out. So most events probably don't have
1: to deal with the fact that a Kickstarter is not exactly an attendee database. It's a Kickstarter. And so you download all the backers and then you kind of have to figure out what to do with them. And there was a period of time there where I had no registration site set up and they couldn't donate to the Kickstarter anymore. So I was getting this pressure. And also people were starting to ask me about sponsorships. And there was a week or two there where I just couldn't get everything up fast enough... And it was intense pressure to like allow people to give me money, which I feel now saying it out loud may be also universal and not just physical and technical, but like you know, it's like, okay, now you have to allow people to just continue to pour it onto you. And and it wasn't as if I was procrastinating. I just, I could not work fast enough, period. Right. Because you have to figure out where your attendee's going to go. And does this talk to MailChimp? And is it going to allow me to scan people in? Like, there's a lot of stuff to consider. And similarly with donations, like I had to get up a sponsorship deck and it had to look good because I'm annoying. So like... I couldn't just have like a one-sheeter, you know. Chris and I had to go over every possible thing that could sponsor, what comes with every single package, and then how much to charge for it. And of course, me the whole way, I'm just like, they're never going to pay that. They're never going to pay that. And he was like, right, but they might though. And also, yeah. if they don't, you can negotiate. But at least yep. you know, put it and see what happens. And I'm like, oh, you're right. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so there was that whole phase of like, I can't get it up fast enough. Okay, so that was like probably April and May. Then I started the speaker application process. And that was a whole other to-do. Part of how I think I closed the Kickstarter out was because people were already asking me if they could speak. And I was like, we're
0: definitely considering Kickstarter backers first. Right. Which would make sense, right? Because they believe in the event.
1: They have skin in the game. They're supportive of the community, regardless of whether or not we win the prize or not. They were there to help. There were some backers that didn't get chosen and they weren't very happy. But I mean, for the most part, I did go through all the backer applications first and really, really thought hard about if we could fit them in or if it just didn't fit for whatever reason. Right. So a lot of our speakers are backers. But I kind of figured that anyway, because they're longtime members of the community. We've either interviewed them or met them in person and know how great they are at what they do. So that makes sense. So then we had a speaker application process. And that's also the technicality of like putting it up and telling people what to expect. What do we want? What are our tracks? So I added all that. And then I started emailing about it. And between April and June, we got 185 speaker applications. Oh my gosh. Which just to put you into perspective, we only had 200 tickets sold. Yeah. (laughs) And to put it in more perspective, Chris told me PodFest last year got 210 applications. Wow. So I'm 15 less and this is my first year yeah. and I have no venue, no speaker, no sponsor, no nothing. Like I, we barely had a venue at this point. We got it end of April, I think we signed and I could tell people about the venue. So people only knew about the venue for like three weeks. So then I started to look at sponsors and now I'm in this weird phase of like, I don't know what the content is but I'm trying to get sponsors, sponsor something that A, has never happened before and B, have no lineup or I have no way of selling what they're buying really. I just... Right. So I only focus on people that I knew knew me and Elsie and She Podcast in general. And then I've always been supportive in the past and that I could really twist their balls, so to speak, if they didn't sponsor us. So like... Right. You know,
0: people who... Or who would just trust like, okay, like I already know that this is going to happen. People
1: who, first of all, have asked me to do an event so they could sponsor it. There are people like that. Yep. People who, for five years, like Libsyn, I mean, Elsie works for Libsyn. Like Rob has told me, go ahead and do an event. We'll definitely give you money for it. So, like, I hit Buzz Buzzsprout, because I really wanted the podcasting booth. And there were certain people that I got to hit right away. And then there were a couple that reached out to me right away Simplecast and Podatize and a couple more. You know, and as they would come in, I can't just like onboard them. I have to make a contract, make it signable figure out a bank account. Like my first sponsor was me being like, okay, I need a She Podcast bank account. (laughs) And I couldn't send an invoice because She Podcast is not a nonprofit. It's not a, it's a nothing. It's not a business, nothing. I had to incorporate it. I had to make a bank account. And that was like after the Kickstarter. I didn't even think about that stuff beforehand. I just wanted to see if we were going to have it.
0: You know what, Jess? I just so appreciate you sharing like this detailed of it because this is the stuff that you have to go through on that first time around, yeah. right? Yeah. Even if your business is incorporated in the, the live event that you want to do is under your business, like you don't have to go through that process, but the contracts, the speaker, the, applicant, angles, like, the terms, all of these things. What are they signing away? What am I signing away? What are they
1: responsible for? What am I responsible for? Like, I didn't know any of that. I don't know any of that.
0: You're creating all this brand new. There's so much brain juice on a first event that goes into just a creation of all the things, right? right. Exactly. I want to fast forward a little bit and ask you, obviously you're in the thick of selling tickets to this event. And Mm -hmm. I'm going to talk to you directly who's listening right now. If you are not currently signed up for She Podcast Live in October in Atlanta, please go sign up. I'm going to put the link to the website in the show notes here go sign up. If you are a podcaster, it's like a no-brainer. You have to be there. If you're thinking about starting a podcast because it makes good business sense for you, or like it's part of your business strategy, or it just is something that you've always wanted to do, be there. If you are a content creator at all and are just sort of intrigued... With any personality whatsoever, right? (laughs) And you're obviously a podcast listener because you're listening to this. Please go. Because no matter where you fall on that spectrum... I promise you that you will get value out of the education and the other ladies there. I guarantee, I can sit here and guarantee it. Not only because that's the nature of great events, but that's the nature of the event that I know that you are putting on. Like I just know that you're so good yeah. to bring that to the event. So number yeah. one, if you're not registered for the event, go register. Thank you. Number two, if your business wants to be in front of podcasters and specifically women podcasters, Hello. go visit the website to go see how you can sponsor and get in front of them because it's an an amazing niche, awesome audience. Thirdly, Mm -hmm. talk to us a little bit about your vision. What are you really committed to delivering? What do you want to make sure that the person who attends experiences? So... We just finished the
1: process of picking all the speakers, choosing all the content and getting that all set up. So I know exactly what's going to happen every minute of this conference at this point, give or take a few things. So I can really... Not, not too detailed, but I can really answer this question now that I'm sort of seeing things running in my head a little better. You know, most people when they come to a conference like this want to know, is it worth their return on investment? Is it worth their time? Can they make money? And some of what we want them to experience is the question, does that matter? Or can you use it as a vehicle for something else to make money? Or can you use it as a vehicle to change the world somehow? Or can you use it as a vehicle to change people's lives somehow? Or do you just need it as a vehicle, period? And there are people who come or who already started their podcast, but it's like shoes that are too tight and they don't fit quite right. And and I'm hoping that this then will also help them figure out why that is. I want them to experience larger companies in podcasting, small companies in podcasting, independent podcasters that have crazy, ridiculous success, independent podcasters that have had minor success, but are wildly happy about the way their podcast is making a difference in the world. I want them to feel... Like they can do it confident, empowered, safe. I want them to feel included. That is my chiron. my Achilles heel is inclusion. Mm. I want people to feel like they belong there. I want them to feel like they could open their mouth and talk to anyone walking by with a badge and that's an instant friend. I not only want that, I expect it because I've experienced that in our own community over and over and over again. And I know that if there's a woman who's not a she podcaster, they're not going to show up. And if they do, they know that they can expect that just from being in the group, they know what to expect that they're going to be embraced and people will be excited. I think that even if I don't end up having money for all the drinks and all the food for parties, that our parties are going to be incredibly fun. Lots of laughing, lots of collaborating, lots of connections being made for the future. Maybe we'll do a show together or maybe you and I will do like a, you know, I'll be on your show or you'll be on my show. We'll create this little course together because I do this kind of podcast and you do that kind of podcast. And maybe I want to do this kind of, I want to do a comedy, I don't want to do anything about news or sadness or whatever. I don't know. I kind of put those together, didn't I? <laughs> news and sadness. They go together so well.
0: The but point like, being I, is that it's really a big deal for you to make sure that everyone feels connected. Yeah. It feels connected and feels belonging.
1: And then I want them to walk away feeling like they didn't spend enough mm. going. That like having bought a $149 ticket and however much they spent on the hotel and plane that like they would have spent, a th- not that I'm going to charge a $1,000 more, but that they would have spent $1,000 more because they got more out of learning and collaborating with our community than they would with like a more general population of our community, yep. of the podcasting community. So that's really what I want. And I mean, there's no pressure whatsoever to deliver it. So that's good. <laughs>
0: sarcastically. Yes. No pressure. Look, I will say this about Jessica is what I do know about you is that you value relationships and you value you fulfilling what you have said that you are going to fulfill. And so Mm -hmm. I can guarantee that it's going to be that and then some for everyone attending. So Thank you so much for sharing all of that. All of the behind the scenes. Most importantly, what I hope that you listening are getting from this is that from the vantage point of, can I put on my own live event? There's so many cool nuggets here on vehicles that you can utilize in order to get it out there. Some behind the scenes as far as dealing with partnerships and all that sort of stuff. But also, I mean, at the end of the day, what I really want you to hear is just your heart, like your heart. And I know Elsie's heart is in wanting to serve yes. this group of women. I mean, it's been there for so long. All of your members know. And so this is just such a cool manifestation of that. And I really can't wait to be there. So We can't
1: wait. I will say that like, I don't know if you knew this about me, but up until the point of planning this event, I was constantly asking like what my purpose was on the planet. Like, what am I supposed to be doing? Is this right? Is that right? I've not thought about it since I launched that Kickstarter, not one time. Interesting. I think it's really interesting. Yeah. Pretty awesome. Um, It's definitely something that I've meant to do is bring people together and have them feed off each other. It's the weirdest way of describing it, but support one another and teach one another. So I'm really excited. Please, if you're listening try it out. Join us. I'm hoping not to disappoint you. (laughs) I will not disappoint. You will not. I will not not
0: be disappointed. (laughs) Jess, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Love you. Thank you. I love you too. And I will see you and Jess at She Podcast Live October 10, 10, 11, 12, 13. It's easy, right? October 10th through the 13th. Yes. 2019 in Atlanta, Georgia. They have a gorgeous, gorgeous hotel. Though I would attend if it were in like a Motel 6. Like, let's just be honest. Like, I would not.
1: <laughs> Thanks anyway. That wasn't so long ago, you know.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I will see you there. Bye.